You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Morning. I want to read you a verse, and we'll, we'll come back to it here in just a little bit, but I want to read it, and I just want it to kind of permeate in your soul and in your mind for a little while. It says this, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. My name is Chris Holcomb. I'm one of the pastors here at Bethany First Church. And i got to be really, really honest with you this morning. This is a pretty surreal moment for me. I grew up in this church. I was going to this church since before I was even born. When my parents first created me, I was going to this church. My family stood right here in front of a congregation that looked a lot like this. And they held me up like I was Simba from The Lion King. <laughs> and Pastor McCullough held me there and he dedicated me to this church as a child and to God. This church raised me through elementary school. Donnie Carley was my fifth grade camp counselor at Camp Bond when I got my first call to ministry. Donnie Carley has, I have this certificate that said, I have been called to ministry, and at the very bottom, Donnie Carley signed it, and I still have it today. I wasn't very mature or responsible in fifth grade, so I had no clue what it meant to be called to ministry, but that didn't really matter. Because I had a community of faith who was going to make sure that I lived out that call. I had a group of people who looked at me and said, we will raise you as a church. And as I messed up all the way through middle school and through high school, this church continued to love me. I remember sitting in the very same seats. I've actually slept through hundreds of sermons in the very seats you're sitting in. Some of you just woke up like I got called out. And I remember uh, I would sit somewhere over here. A lot of students sit over there, and, and we used to do that also. And, and I'd sit by my friend Gray Diffie. Some of you know him. And Gray and I, we would, we would sit together, but I would intentionally try to find a seat where my parents couldn't see me. And they would sit somewhere over here. And so as we'd plan this out, I would kind of start finding my seat, and I'd see my parents over there, and then I'd sit there. And Gray and I, we used to play in this sanctuary called King of the Armrest. And we'd take our elbows and we'd battle each other with no one even noticing to see who could win the armrest. And I'll never forget... My mom saw me doing that almost every single Sunday. I don't know how. She would like see through the beam of people all the way to my seat and she'd throw shade on me. She'd give me the evil eye. 
And I knew I'm in trouble. And we'd leave and my mom would just say, you can't set by gray next week. You're grounded from gray. You're setting with me. I've spent a lot of time in my life at these altars. I've made big decisions at these altars. I was here as I was working through my call to ministry. It was here that I decided that God called me to go to SNU. It was just a year ago that I was crying out in anger to God about why in the world Hannah and I would have a miscarriage. And it was five months later that a group of people prayed for Hannah and I that God would give us a baby. And we're due in December. What's that? It's a surreal moment for me to get to stand before you this morning and preach the Word of God to a community of faith that raised me. And if I'm being totally honest with you, I don't feel worthy, and I don't feel adequate, and I don't feel like I'm the right fit. But when I look at Scripture, that seems to be the people that God uses the most. And so today I've got a message that God has put on my heart. And a couple weeks ago, the message wasn't as heavy, but in light of the events that have taken place in the last week, God has really been challenging me this week, and I've just decided that I've got to be obedient. That I've got to stand before you today, and I've got to preach what God has put on my heart. And if I do anything else but that, I won't be obedient. So I'm excited to be here this morning. Pastor Rick started a sermon series last week titled, Who Are We? And it's a sermon series based on identity. It's a sermon series about finding out who we are as a church. And he asked us a couple really, really important questions. And I believe that we have to keep wrestling with those questions as a church. And he asked us a question. He said, has the church of Jesus Christ, has it suffered memory loss? Have the church of Jesus suffered memory loss? Have we absolutely forgotten who we are as the body of Christ? Who are we in the world? Have we absolutely lost who God has called us to be? Or do we just say what needs to be said? Or do we have the head knowledge of how we're supposed to live? But do we actually live it out? Does the world actually look at Bethany First Church and go, these are the people who are living out the call of God. Every single day they are becoming more like Christ. Every single day they are becoming more like God has called them to be more in the image of God. And every single day they are living out this faith and they are drawing in people who want to be a part of that same story. Or have we just totally forgotten who we are. If anybody knows me, you know that I'm a storyteller. You know that I love to tell stories. You know that I get so engaged in the story that uh, I could probably tell the story to myself and be totally happy. (laughs) I don't even need someone to tell a story to. That's how much I love telling stories. So this morning I want to tell you a story 
It's a good story. The truth is, it's a story that you've all heard of hundreds and hundreds of times. It's a story that you start with every single time you've made the decision that you're going to read the Bible cover to cover to cover, and you know we've all tried that multiple times. And when we get to Leviticus, we give up. It's a story that every single child, when they pick up a Bible, uh, they go to right away because it's the beginning. It's Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And you're sitting to me going, Pastor Chris, we already know that story. I've heard it a hundred times exactly But this story actually means something for our Christian life. It has to mean something for our Christian life. Because if we just brush past this story, we brush past who God is and the way in which God created us. So I'm going to tell you this story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and God was there. He has no beginning, and He has no end. He was always there. This God that we most often put inside of a box, that we most often try to control, this God is bigger than that. He's living outside of the box. He's bigger than what we can even comprehend, and He's there in the beginning. And he looks into chaos. He looks into nothing. The writer of Genesis said it was chaos and it was void and it was empty. There was nothing but darkness. And God is there. Sounding a bit familiar? And this God in his majestic, in his majesty, in his righteousness, Lord of Lord, King of Kings, this God that is creator, is there in the beginning and he looks into the darkness and he looks into the void and the emptiness and he goes, I'm going to create something amazing. And he says, let there be light. And I don't know what that looked like. I don't know what it looked like when God said, let there be light. I don't know if it looked like our sun or if it was just light, if it permeated out of God, I have no idea. But he said, let there be light. And he said, wow, that is really good. That light is really good. And then God begins to look at what he had created, and yet there's still this darkness and this this void, but there's light shining on it, and he can almost see it a little bit better. And he reaches his God hands in, and whatever you envision is totally fine. If you envision God as creator, like waving his wand, like Harry Potter, that's cool. If you envision God having these huge hands that create, which he dips his hands into the waters, and he goes, I've got to separate this. And I'm going to do expansion. I'm going to make a vault between the sky and between this water. There's going to be space there. And God looks at it and says, wow, that's really good. And then God kind of looks at what he's created. He's got light and he's got space and he's got sky and he's got this water And he goes, there needs to be more. And so God says, you know, why don't we do this? Why don't I gather all the seas together? And why don't I create land that will come up out of the seas, this dry land, and there will be separation, there will be land, and there will be this sea, and there is sky, and there is light. And it is good. I don't know about any of you, but could you do this? I certainly can't. 
And I don't know anybody else that could either. And I don't know any other God that could either, except for the one true God. And then God looks at it and he steps back and he goes, wow, this is really, really good, but there needs to be something more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plant life. I'm going to make trees and I'm going to make seed-bearing plants and, and vegetation is going to grow and there's going to be an entire ecosystem that lives and uses this life. The same trees and the flowers and the grass that you see every single day comes from the Creator, God. And he looks and he goes, wow, this is really good. And he goes, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to create birds in the sky and they're going to multiply and I'm going to create creatures who live in the ocean and they're going to live in harmony in the ocean together with one another. This is really, really good. And then God continues to create and he says, you know what, I'm going to create living things that live on land and I'm going to create livestock. And it's going to live and it's going to reproduce and it's really really good this is the god that we serve and then we get to genesis chapter 1 verse 26 and can we just pause here for a second have you ever been somewhere where god's beauty absolutely just takes you to a place you've never been before a couple months ago hannah and i we, uh, we took a road trip. We decided uh, literally the night before that we're going to go to a road trip. We're going to San Diego, California. We don't have kids. We can do that kind of stuff. <laughs> and so the night before, Hannah says, I really want to go on a trip. I got the week off and, and it's something that we need to do. We need to get away. We have a lot to talk about. I said, we don't have the money to do that. We cannot do that, Hannah. She said, well, I'm going. So the next morning, about 6 a.m., I woke up and I thought, well, if she's going, I'm going too. So we jumped in the car and we go to San Diego, California. We had no plans. We booked a hotel on the way. We didn't know where we were going to eat. We're texting friends. What should we do? But one evening, we're in La Jolla, California, and we're watching the sunset. And we had found this perfect spot on these cliffs that overlooks the Pacific Ocean. And it was so cool. We had, we had kind of scoped it out because the waves were really big that night for some reason and they were crashing into the cliffs and the ocean spray was getting this spot wet over and over again. And so we really liked that. So we found this spot next to it. And to our right was a seal beach and there were all kinds of families of seals swimming in the ocean, playing in the waves. And Hannah and I are sitting there on the edge of these cliffs and we're watching this sunset begin to dip into the Pacific Ocean. And in that moment, in that moment, I'm looking at this scene and I'm going, this, this was day number six. This is what God was creating when he stood back and he looked at all he had created and he was sitting on the cliffs in La Jolla Beach, California, and he's looking at the sun set into the Pacific Ocean. God was there. I mean, if I could have hit the rewind button, I would have rewinded the sunset and I would have watched it over and over again like a DVR, but I couldn't. 
Because God created there to be rhythm and there to be this certain order of life and the the sun was going to set and the night was going to come but the sun was going to rise in the morning again. It's the way in which God created it. And sometimes I just like to pause there and imagine that picture. Imagine that image of God as creator. When life seemed to make sense, And the world seemed to be all right, and it seemed to be perfect. I want you to go there. Maybe you have an image. Maybe it's on a ski resort, and you're going up the lift, and you know that moment if you've ever been skiing, and you look back, and it takes your breath away. Maybe it's in your backyard, where you're sitting down with a coffee and a book or your Bible. And your trees are waving in the wind and the flowers are there that you have planted or that you paid somebody to plant. I know a lot of you do that. But maybe it's that moment in which you sit and you wonder, this is how God created it. But even in that moment, it wasn't enough for God because you and I were missing from the equation. And then God said, verse 26, let us make mankind in our own image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Hannah, we got that one down. (laughs) Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth. And every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very, very good. And there was evening and there was morning, sixth day. past couple weeks, I've read this passage probably 50 times. And I've taken commentaries out and I've looked on the internet and I've been asking the question, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? What does it mean to be made in the likeness of God? And I keep searching for a different answer because every time I search for the answer, I find the same one. But it's not good enough for me. Because I look into my own life and I go, God, are you serious? You seriously made me in the image and likeness of God because I don't feel that way. I feel like maybe you messed up. When I look into my life, when I act in the world, when I, when I walk about my day, when I interact with people, I don't feel like I'm made in the image of God. I don't feel like I'm made in God's likeness. And so I keep searching for a different answer for someone to say, no, maybe God 
didn't really make us in the image of God. Maybe God didn't really make us in His likeness. But you know what? I haven't found it. You know what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God? It means that when God created you and I in the very beginning, He looked at us and He created us and He said, I give you my very nature and my very character. You have the same character and you have the same nature as I do. You have the ability to create. You have the ability to love. You have the ability to bring justice. You have the ability to show mercy. You have the ability to care for the other. The very same character and nature of God. So I ask this question. Have you and I forgotten our true identity in God? Have we forgotten that in the beginning God created us in the image and likeness of God's self? Have we forgot that about who we are? And if I'm being totally honest with you today, I wish the answer was no, but the answer is yes. Let's be honest for a second. Let's let this place be a place of honesty and a place of transparency. The answer is yes. I don't have to scroll very far on Facebook to see that our world and our society has forgotten that we were made in the image of God. I don't have to watch the news for very long to know that we've gotten something seriously wrong. That there is something not right in our world and we have forgotten who God is. I'm learning that society continues to choose the value of people based on race, money, and power instead of remembering that we are all created in the image of God. It pains me, but it's true. I see a church that has traded in faith for fear. I see a church that has traded holiness for legalism. We've traded in love for obligation. We've traded in protection instead of giving our whole life to one another. We've traded in sacrifice for comfort. And we've traded in identity with God for identity in the world. It's not a coincidence, though, that we're in this sermon series. It's not a coincidence that we as a church are looking out into the world and asking the question, who are we? Because God's people have found themselves in this very same circumstance time and time again. This isn't the first time. And if you spend any time in the book of Exodus, you're going to quickly learn that. Because in the book of Exodus, you see, we know how the story ends. 
We know how the story ends. We know that it doesn't end with Genesis 1 and 2. I I wish that it did. I wish that in some way that perfect harmony, that perfect moment that I described on the cliffs of La Jolla, I wish that's how life was at all times. But you and I know a different story. You know that in Genesis chapter 3, something significant happens. You know that in Genesis chapter 3, which is the fall of humankind, which is the fall of man, You know that all of a sudden that begins to shape who we are as a people of God. We begin to find ourselves living in brokenness. We find ourselves lost from God. We find ourselves wandering away from God. We find ourselves guilty and full of shame. And in the story of Exodus, God's chosen people They had been in slavery for over 400 years. God's chosen people, the ones in which God said, I choose you. They have been in slavery for over 400 years to the Egyptian people. And God, it says that God heard their cries. And God begins to deliver them through Moses. And you know the story, God delivers them. But then they find themselves wandering in the desert for 40 years. And in that moment of wondering for 40 years, Moses begins to realize that these people, these Israelites, God-chosen people, they have no identity. Their identity is wrapped up in their slavery. Their identity is wrapped up in their brokenness. Their identity is wrapped up in who the Egyptians said that they were. Worthless. No value as humans. You work for me. You give your whole life For me, that is who you are. And Moses looks at these people, the Israelites, who are wandering in the desert, and he knows that God has delivered them. He knows that God has a plan for them. But they don't know who they are. There's even a scene in that story, in that narrative, where the Israelites look at Moses and they go, Take us back! At least there we had something. At least there we had some kind of identity. Even if it's the wrong identity, we had something. And we read this story and we go, why would you ever want to go back? Don't you know what God is going to do? But the Israelites in that moment had no identity. Their identity was wrapped up in their slavery, and in their brokenness. And so Moses does something incredible. In the time of chaos, he brings God back into the picture. In the time of wondering and and worrying about how lost we are and how broken we are, he brings God back into the picture. And Moses gets credit for writing the book of Genesis. And Moses, it is said that he wrote the book of Genesis in that time of wondering in the 40 years. And I think it would have been a perfect time for Moses to start with Genesis chapter 3. It would have been a perfect time for Moses to start with Genesis chapter 3 and answer the question all the Israelite people were asking, Why are we here? We don't have an identity. Who are we? 
In, in Genesis chapter 3, if he'd have started with that, Moses could have answered the question, here's why we're here. Here's why you were in slavery. Here's why there's so much brokenness. Because the world is fallen. There is sin in the world. That's the place he could have started. To me, it seems to make more sense that he starts there, but he doesn't. Because he knows that God's chosen people, identity, is not in their slavery. It is in God. And so Moses, instead of starting in Genesis 3, he starts in Genesis 1, and he paints this beautiful picture of who God is and how God creates. And then he says, in Genesis 1, God's chosen people, are you listening? God's chosen people, you are made in the image and the likeness of God. You have the full nature and character of God. It permeates within you. It lives within you. This is who you are. You're made in the image of God. I'm reading a book by a guy named Jefferson Bethke. And it's titled, It's Not What You Think. And it's been a book that's really been challenging me. It's been a book that as I read a chapter, I have to go back and reread that chapter because it's just really taken me places. And in this book, he describes this loss of identity and he describes it this way. If a person who didn't know Bethany, who didn't know Bethany First Church, were to walk up to this building and the sanctuary was in rubble. The sanctuary was completely demolished. It was completely closed in. It was totally unidentifiable. And a man were to walk up to the sanctuary and he'd look at the pile of rubble. And he might ask himself, I wonder what this building was. Maybe it was a grocery store. Maybe it was an apartment complex. Maybe it was a deli. Maybe it was a mall. I don't know. And the man might start rebuilding it and he'd pick up a rock and he would just start putting it together and he'd, he'd start clearing the pile. And he'd start rebuilding, but it has no identity because he has no idea what it once was. But I imagine if one of you walked up with the man and the man says what was this building and you said oh this building was a sanctuary this building was a sanctuary it was a place in which God dwelled it was a place in which we gathered for worship it was a place in which I kneeled at these altars and I confessed my sin it's a place where I fell into relationship with God and the man would go now we can rebuild this. And one piece of brick by brick, you could start putting it back together into its original identity. And here's the thing. It may still need to be repaired. You may not build it the exact same way the second time around. We may put a center aisle so we could have more weddings in here. It may need to be repaired. It may need to be fixed. 
He might change some things about it. It might need to be transformed. We might get new carpet. We might take the insurance money and use it a different way. But it still has its identity. It still has its identity as a sanctuary, as a place of worship, as a place where people gather. My identity cannot be found In Genesis chapter 3. My identity as being a fallen man cannot define who I am. I am not just broken. I am not just lost. I need to be fixed. I need to be healed. I need to be transformed. But that's not who I am. Who I am is a person who is created in the image and the likeness of God. That's who we are as a church. That's who we are as Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. It's who we have to be. The truth is, that's who we're going to be, it's going to cost us something. We can't trade our faith in for fear. We have to cash that back in. We've got to give our fear away and we've got to take on faith. We can't change in our love for obligation. It's got to be the opposite. We've got to take our obligation and we've got to start loving God beginning to transform our hearts, loving all kinds, every single group of people. True love, not because God tells you to love them, but for you to really love them. We've got to trade in that idea that I've got to protect my own, that I've got to keep everything that I have together, my house, my stuff, my family, and I've got to give that to God. And I've got to be willing to lay down my life for the sake of the other. It's going to cost us something. Especially in the world that we live in today. Being made in the image and likeness of God is an incredible burden. I heard it said this way, when we fully grasp what it means to bear God's image, we are at once struck with the grandeur of our possibilities and the tragedy of our unrealized potential. To be fully human is to fully reflect God. Let me read you that again. When we fully grasp what it means to bear God's image, we are at once struck with the grandeur of our possibilities and the tragedies of our unrealized potential. To be fully human is to fully reflect God. Are you ready, church? Is this something that we're willing to do? If it's not, I understand. If you're looking at your life and you're going, that's not, I'm not ready to do that. There's still things that I've got to work through. There's still things 
that I've got to grow in my relationship with God. I'm still just too angry and I'm too bitter and I'm just not sure if this God thing is all that it's cracked up to be. If that's you, that's okay. That's okay. But I think there is a group of people in here who are looking at me this morning who are going, I think I'm made in the image and the likeness of God. I think I believe that to be true. And I don't want to be defined anymore by Genesis chapter 3. I don't want to be defined anymore just by my brokenness and just by my sin. I want to be defined as something much bigger than that. If that's you, I'm going to invite you to do something. If that's you, here in a moment, I'm going to invite you to come down to the front. Or if that's you, I'm going to invite you to stand where you're seating, where you're seated. I believe that there is a group of us who is ready to wrestle with this question, who are we? And we're ready to start living that out in the world. I think there's a group of people in here who are ready to be the church of Jesus Christ who no longer suffers from memory loss but who knows exactly what our mission and vision is in the world. And I think there's a group of people in here who are ready to go and accomplish that. So I'm going to invite the band back up. And this isn't an emotional decision for you. I want this to be a decision that you make. This isn't about your spouse. It's not about your kids. It's not about the people sitting next to you. This is about you. Are you ready to live out your true identity, your true call? To go and be the people of God. To be the image bearers of God. If that's you, will you come forward or will you stand in your seat? It's awkward. But if that's you, if you're ready... okay if you're not look at us we're not just broken people we're not just messed up we're the people of God you and I are made in the image and the likeness of God, God's full character and His full nature resonates within us. Every conversation you have, every person that you meet, you have the full character and nature of God that has been created within you. You have the full power of God that lives within you. Let me pray for us. And then we will respond in worship. Heavenly Father, we are here. We're here because we are committed to the mission of the church. We are here because we are committed to the call that You have put on our life to go and be love 
to be righteousness, to be mercy in the world. Lord, we are the image bearers of you. We are made in your likeness. Lord, will you help us to live like it? Will you help us to live that out? Will you give us the strength and the courage to live out our call as who we are, our true identity? May you heal us and repair us and fix us and change our hearts. Lord, help us to live out our identity in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's worship.
The world that we live in needs us. Needs God. Needs Christ. And God and Christ live within you as the people, the chosen people of God. So go and bear God's image, bear God's likeness into this world. And bring hope and bring light and bring new creation and transformation to the people who most desperately need it. Love you. Thank you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.